You're listening to the best of the day. I say you the, you the best. Halford and Bruff. Whoa. Wait a minute. Huh? Hold up. What? Oh, okay. Did we just lose the f***ing Canucks? You're listening to Halford and Bruff. Left wing into the Chicago zone, back to Besser to the goal, deep to the back end, tries to tuck it in from below the goal line, it's loose, and Dakota Joshua scores! Nobody tanks because we have a weighted lottery. Miller into the slot for Drys, one-timer, missed the net, Garland sends it out front, Drys on the rebound, scores between his legs! You're not going to lose games to increase your odds by a couple of percentage points, that's silly. Horvat who shoots for the empty net, he scores! Nobody tanks, our players and our coaches do their best to win. Good morning, Vancouver. Six o'clock on a Wednesday. Happy Wednesday, everybody. It is Halford. It is Bruff. It is Sportsnet. Six fifty. We are coming to you live from the Kintech Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. Jason, good morning. Good morning. A dog. Good morning to you. Good morning, Laddie. Good morning to you as well. Hello, hello. Uh, Halford and Bruff in the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. Uh, you are the self-appointed king of orthotics, the prince of footwear. And that is because of your undying relationship with Kintech. So tell the people more, Jason Bruff, about we are, Kintech. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio, Kintech footwear and orthotics. I love how you're just desperately trying to not- How's that for unpredictability, you <laughs> jerk? Desperately. Every day you're just going to add another title to his yeah. orthotics tag? No. So I got a lot of different nicknames. Dr. Foot. That's one that I haven't used yet. You're workshopping. You're workshopping it, I assume. Dr. Kintech Foot. Footwear and Orthotics Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 1,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. Uh, really big show. Really big show on a Wednesday today on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. The guests begin at 6.30. David Amber, Hockey Night Canada, Sportsnet NHL host, is going to join us. Whip around the NHL. A couple Canadian teams in action last night, including your Vancouver Canucks. Half the people in this studio right now were at the game last night. 50% of the Halbro show went to support the boys last night at Rogers Arena. Uh, did you have fun, Andy? You were in the, the encore oh, uh, yeah. suite, right? So you, oh, you, were, yeah. you were eating well. The uh, food was great. They had I, ice cream. I was right next door to you in what's called the Champions Club. Really? And we look at the Encore people as kind of like, <laughs> really? kind of want to be champions. You were there and you didn't come and say hello, eh? Uh, didn't want to mingle with the I did the not, plebs. Not, not, not with the Encore people. Yeah. It's like, it's like, <laughs> the like what's that smell at the Encore suite? <laughs> it's like the curtain they put up. Do over there? <laughs> it's like the curtain they put up in the airplane. You don't go back to economy. <laughs> what is that misty fog in that room over there? Anyway, um, David Amber is going to join us at six thirty. <laughs> uh, what did you want to add in? On the, we can talk about the game in a sec. I'll no, I was just—I was going to ask Andy, did you stay the whole time? Because I left a oh, little bit early, so I could—I uh, could. When when uh, I missed yeah, the—I missed the empty netter. I saw uh, the fourth goal, and I was like, "Well, the Canucks have got this because they got Rick Tockett, and I'm not worried about blowing leads because I have bought into this after one game against the Chicago Blackhawks. Let's go, Canucks!" Yeah, yeah. you know, I mean, the first two periods were. Painful, but uh, the third period was was decent. It was entertaining. You mean they were painful? What? I, painful. I, I didn't say I had a great time watching that hockey game for the first two periods. He did it not was, care uh, for the style oh, of play. It was a little, uh, yeah, it wasn't uh, 
Were, were, were you like, normally the goalie gets more action in this end? I wouldn't say it was enthralling, but the third period was exciting. Okay. You know. By the way, Andy stayed till the bitter end. He actually just got here five minutes ago. He encore clubbed overnight. So 6.30, David Amber is going to join us on the program. 7.30, Jeff Baker. No rest for the Vancouver Canucks after beating uh, the Chicago Blackhawks last night. The Canucks are in action tonight, 7 o'clock. Uh, from Seattle, Jeff Baker, of course, covers the Kraken for the Seattle Times. We'll talk to him. About I want to talk to him about Shane Wright. I want to talk to him about what they're going to do at the deadline. And something I wasn't even on my radar, but in doing the research last night, he wrote about how the Kraken have gotten much better on the ice. Uh, the attendance has been good, but their TV numbers stink. Like, they're really poor. Interesting. Like, yeah, yeah, so we'll talk to Jeff about that at 730. Uh, 8 o'clock, Chris Faber, who apparently dressed like Drake last night, I've been told. What? The Rock. How? Uh, he wore the... Uh, turtleneck with the gold chain with the blazer over top. Yes. Yeah, that's yeah, that's the Drake look. Oh, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah, so Faber is Drake. Drake is Faber. We've made that connection before. Uh, we'll also talk to Faber, aside from fashion, about the Vancouver Canucks, touch in on the Abbotsford Canucks as well. That's at 8 o'clock. So, working in reverse, 8 o'clock, Chris Faber, 7.30, Jeff Baker, uh, and 6.30, David Amber. I mentioned the Canucks and Kraken, 7 o'clock from Seattle tonight. Four other NHL games, three of which have Canadian teams. Uh, two of the more disappointing teams in the NHL go up against one another. It's the Islanders and the Sens. A uh, good one in, between the Leafs and the Rangers. And then you have the Columbus Blue Jackets, who the Canucks will play on Friday. And the Edmonton Oilers. There's a bunch of other sports as well. Ten NBA games and the Aussie Open quarters. But uh, forget all that for now, because we need to tell you what happened. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. no. What happened? I missed all the action because I was... We know how busy your life can be. What happened? Missed it. As mentioned, Canucks win. Canucks win. Rick Tockett wins in his coaching debut. Vancouver Canucks take care of a not-so-good call uh, Chicago Blackhawks team. Uh, 5-2 at Rogers Arena on Tuesday. Uh, Dakota Joshua scored. Sheldon Dry scored. Uh, Kuzmenko scored twice, and then his agent followed up with yet another tweet featuring a picture of his client and a money bag emoji. He is on his way to getting paid. And the Canucks, for one night anyway... I don't want to say it was all roses at Rogers Arena, but there were a few. And in the end, it's a 5-2 victory against a pretty poor opponent. Uh, we got to see some of the displays of what Rick Talk at hockey might look like. And we get to see it again tonight when the Canucks will take on the Kraken. Back-to-back uh, -back nights, uh, this time at Climate Pledge Arena. So I think the question we have to ask ourselves, uh, at the very least, just to kill this show... Yeah. Is what did last mean? La what did it mean last night? Like, what what can we take from that? Because two points. Uh, the overwhelming response that I saw was like, yeah, it was the Blackhawks, and, and they're awful. And yet, for me, I don't think it would be fair to just or interesting just to say, oh, it's the Blackhawks, whatever. Like. It was more to me like the extent that the Canucks controlled that game. Not that they just controlled that game. Even Drantz, who I'm sure feels that that game meant nothing, was tweeting out some stats last night um, just about how dominant the Canucks were and how good defensively they were. This is his tweet, Drantz's tweet. The Canucks permitted just 15 scoring chances against the Blackhawks on Tuesday night according to Natural Stat Trick. That's their stoutest, Drance word, mm -hmm. defensive effort of the season to this point. And he was even saying, like, league-wide, 
you do not see many games where you're dominating the opponent and limiting the opponent to so little. Yeah. Now, we went into this game going, the Blackhawks are one of the worst defensive team or offensive teams in the NHL. And we had Mark Lazarus on uh, Lazarus on yesterday, and he was saying, like, at five on five, they're terrible. They, they, they just can't produce anything. That was proven accurate. And I think, I think we saw that. And other people will say, there's a reason that that was Rick Tockett's first game as head coach behind the bench, That's right? Good so, there, well, there's, yeah. so there's there is all sorts of, like, there is definitely a major point to be made by saying, like, hey, let's not get too excited. It was Chicago. This was the perfect training wheels game for the Vancouver Canucks yeah. to roll out their new defensive mindset. But I think you can also say, hey – what a great start for Rick Tockett behind the bench. It started out, uh, Andy, I'm sure you heard the booze for him when oh, his, his name was announced. I wouldn't say it was like... Jersey toss like four minutes into the game too. Yeah, was I was going to get to that. Um, when when he like w- when he was announced, it wasn't like the loudest boo you'll ever. It wasn't like, and here's Brad Marchand. It was right? mixed. Like, it was mixed. It was mixed, um, and, but you could definitely hear it. Um, as you mentioned... Right off the bat, there was a jersey on the ice, and it was right by the Canucks bench. Yes. So they all saw that. Yes, that's how it started. Like it was, it was an interesting start. And then Luke Shen got a breakaway. I was like, "What is going on here? What kind of parallel universe are we in here?" Blackhawks um, actually had a lead. Mentioned that as well. Yeah, it, they it was did. an inauspicious start, I would say, at the very onset of the game. All right, I remember watching it and just kind of being like, "Hmm." Well, this is going to be a little interesting because on the ice, though, I think I thought they dominated them to start, and then mm-hmm. the the Chicago goal which came on a Patrick Kane wrist shot from the point that Colin Delia was either really badly screened on or or should have stopped, um, definitely came against the flow of play. I mean, there's no question about that. Frankly, I watched that game, and I think the Canucks should have had a shutout. Like, the two goals that were allowed, um, you know, Laddie, I, I don't know what you think about that first goal. I think an NHL goalie has got to find a way to save that. Even though he was screened, it's a high wrist shot from the point. Find a way to see that mm-hmm. and and save it. And then the second goal I thought was stoppable as well. My advice would be to play bigger. <laughs> play bigger. You're hoping for a little more battle through the screen, I guess, from the goaltender. Just or? find it. You got to find yeah. a way, right? Like the, Colin Delia. I mean, we're still dealing with a guy in Delia who should not be in the NHL, right? Can we all agree with that? Like he's an agree. AHL goalie. I would agree with point? that. I could argue he could still play for the Blackhawks. Sure, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> the, Peter Mrazek was really good for for the Hawks. I mean, he made how, 43, 43, 43. I mean, that's incredible, time. right? Is Andre Kuzmenko maybe the best player on earth? Yeah, we should get to that. Oh, we got to talk about that. Yeah, um, we can go there now. Look, well, you know, I, oh, actually, on, I'd like on, to on. stop. I'd like I'd like to hear from Rick Tockett. Yeah, no, we need to talk about, God, deal with Dealey and talk about Tockett. We need better names on this team. We do need to discuss Rick Tockett because. The reality of this is, I think you laid it out quite adequately. Uh, <laughs> it was, you're not going to get a ton out of one game where the guys only had 48 hours to prep his team, but there were takeaways from it, and some of those important takeaways are from the head coach himself. So here is Rick Tockett in the aftermath of him winning in his debut as Vancouver Canucks head coach, 5-2 over the Chicago Blackhawks. Well, it's, play, it's not me. As a player, like kind of bought in. You know, it's been some tough circumstances the last few days, and... Uh, it was a lot of emotions and, you know, head spinning. I thought those guys did a nice job for the last year. And I threw a lot of 
system, not so much system stuff, but some stuff at them today with longer means than I'd like to. And for them to take it in and, and uh, play good, I thought it was a – I commend the players. One thing that I think he threw at them pregame and then threw at the media postgame was keep them shift shorts, boys. Like, that was definitely a message that was about to be hammered home. Now, you would think that that was something that most of the guys would have had in their arsenal. Maybe we don't take a minute, minute 20. <laughs> maybe shifts. we don't stay out there when we're, you know, tired. And to the point of blacking out. Maybe, maybe <laughs> we try and have something in reserve. So Tockett mentioned it several times in the aftermath. He thought when the Canucks got a little bit antsy against the Blackhawks, his words, not mine, it had to do with the fact that their shift length was extending beyond the 30 to 40 seconds, and that's when they started to get in trouble. Now, this might seem like an obvious thing. This might seem like something that everyone knows. Like, when you're tired, you should go for a change. Mm -hmm. And maybe instead of trying to extend the shift as you get more and more tired because you want to do something, you can put the puck in deep, get a change, and allow someone who is not tired to come out and have their turn on the ice. I was reading IMAX piece uh, following the game, and... You know, it, it, it's we we've criticized the Canucks all season for making like pee wee level or beer league mistakes. Mm-hmm. So when they clean up those mistakes, we should probably just be like, "Hey, good for them," as opposed to like continuing to make fun of them. But <laughs> you know, IMAX got this part where he's like, "If you if you want an idea of what Talkit is looking for, consider the line change JT Miller made in the second period." Um, he. He carried the puck into the Blackhawk Black zone and pulled up at the sideboard. Seeing no safe passing options, he dumped the puck behind the Chicago net and skated across the ice to change after a 45-second shift. Yada, yada, yada. Uh, Kuzmenko then tied the game uh, 2-2. And then he's got a quote from Tockett here. The coaches, we were pretty excited about that one. That's the stuff I'm talking about. You change when you're a little tired. Like, garbage in garbage can, right? Like I feel like, you know, like these are the, these are like, this is the Homer and Marge doing the parenting classes thing, right? That that we were kind of making fun of is like, wait a minute, instead of a, what a blind back pass into the middle of the ice, when you're tired, you actually, what, just chip it in, make the responsible play, make the safe play. Put your garbage in a garbage can, people. I can't stress that enough. Don't just, Throw it out the window. Makes sense. Yeah, don't just throw it out the window or yeah. don't just throw the puck into the middle of the ice and hope for the best. That was my big takeaway from what Talkett had to say. I'm like, wait a minute. This feels like remedial hockey here. Is this what all these meetings are about? <laughs> JT Miller had this back check where he, towards the end of the game, I think, where he broke up this defensive play and it was actually a great play by Miller. And I couldn't believe what I was watching. I was like, that is incredible. Yeah, there's no pad out. I don't think Line he's done change that all year. when tired. Yeah. So, so stop was... opponent from scoring goals. Yeah. Well, you... Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Did you guys notice when he blocked the, blocked the uh, shot on the penalty kill? I think it was in the first period. Yes. And then it went the other way for a scoring chance. Yeah. That might have been the Luke Shen breakaway. I can't remember. He but there very was some good defensively. But like it was funny. So I was with um Chad. I was with two Chads and a Brad last night. One wow. Chad being Chad Day, our sales guy, and then Chad and Brad. Chad and Brad from the hockey shop in Langley, who I'd never met before and are great guys, really know their hockey. And there were a couple times in the first period where the Canucks made nice, clean 
breakups of the Blackhawks attack and then went immediately the other way for a scoring chance. And we were all kind of like, hmm, that's interesting. You play defense and sometimes it can lead to offense. Isn't that interesting? Right, yeah, what right what a down. novel concept that is. Yeah. Uh, Jim and White Rock writes in. I'll read this. This is okay. Uh, it's an interesting negative narrative, narrative you guys are going with this morning. They didn't win because they simply tried harder or because they played Chicago. And then in brackets, he writes, Chicago could have won. Jim, you are wrong. Chicago literally could not have won that game. I know every game is winnable. That one was not. They were bad. Uh, you could see that they're playing with a new system, almost trap-like in the neutral zone, and their breakout plays were so much better than they've been all year. There was only one instance where OEL tried to play up the middle, and it didn't work. That was it for sloppy play. We've they look like they remembered how hockey was supposed to be played. We've just said that the whole time. Yeah, I'm, I'm pushing back on the notion that, oh, it was only Chicago. I'm talking about... Do you know how many times the Canucks have played a bad team this season and still looked awful defensively? And lost the game. I thought it was the perfect start for Rick Tockett. And while we have to keep the opponent in mind, don't throw everything out about that game. Yeah. I, I don't know what to say. Like I think that the Canucks dominated a bad team. As they should. Right. But but it was they the, were, they, it they was had, guys, yeah. it was the way they dominated them. Mm-hmm. They've, they've played bad teams before this season and allowed multiple goals against, multiple terrible defensive breakdowns right from the very start. Mm-hmm. They took care of it. They took care of the Chicago Blackhawks. They took care of their own end. They didn't give up much. Now, does it prove anything huge? No. It's just one game. They got Seattle tonight. Yeah. That'll be different. That's a different opponent. And then they got Columbus on Friday, which, in theory, they should dominate again like they dominated the Chicago Blackhawks. But you got to start somewhere. Mm-hmm. Right? Okay. Like you got to start somewhere. Their whole thing with hiring Rick Tockett, their whole thing with Rick Tockett is defend better, play more responsible hockey, um, give up less. And that's exactly what they did. Yeah, yeah, it's the Blackhawks, but I'm not, I don't throw everything out from that game just because of the opponent. Okay, uh, another big talking point from last night was Andy's favorite player, Andre, yeah. Andre Kuzmenko. Kuzmenko scored two goals. That gives him 20 on the season. The stat that was making the rounds last night, Kuzmenko is now the third fastest Canuck in franchise history to 20 goals. Petey did it in 37 games. Besser did it in 37 games. And now Kuzmenko's done it in 46. It's been a pretty impressive year. I'd say a very impressive year. And his agent, Diamond Danny Milstein, uh, made sure that everyone knew that Andre Kuzmenko was having a good year when yesterday after the game, he tweeted out a big picture of Andre Kuzmenko with the money bag emoji underneath it. This is not the first time that Milstein has done this. And I know you tweeted about this last night. I was kind of, it was kicking around in my, in my mind grapes about the re-signing of Andre Kuzmenko, because I think this is the, this is the perfect debate fodder. For Sports Talk Radio, because there's two very obvious sides to take here. One is that you have to keep this guy. He's been great. He's maybe been the brightest part of your season, given you didn't know what to expect, and he's played so well, and he's got great chemistry with Petey. Then the other side of it is that you absolutely cannot keep this guy because you have so many other things that you need to fix, and you don't need another goal-scoring winger on the team. And I understand both, and I would like to say 
for the sake of being a neutral, I have no idea what to do with Andre Kuzmenko right now. He's, he's busting up my brain. Well, here's your here's your excuse. Here's your excuse. I'll give you a good excuse for being Halford and not having an opinion on this. Uh-huh. We don't know what he's going to sign for if he does sign with the Vancouver Canucks. Apparently, it's an actual sack of money. Yeah, okay. With a dollar sign on the We front. don't know how big the cap hit is. And I think more importantly, given his age, he's young, but not super young. Like, he's around Horvat's age, right? Like, he's around Horvat's age. Yes. So, um, we don't know the term. Right? Like, there is a there is a, there is is a notion here in Vancouver, and, I, and probably for good reason, that <laughs> whenever a Canuck signs a contract, either as, like, a free agent or uh, an extension, like, that contract automatically becomes negative value. Sure. Like, that doesn't happen all the time. Sometimes there are teams that sign guys to reasonable contracts because they like the team. They like their situation. They like the city, mm-hmm. and they're willing to take less to play in that city. Um, and, you know, like we don't know about trade protection on the contract, which makes a huge deal. It's a, yeah. it's a big deal. Like we don't, know, we don't know anything about the contract because the contract hasn't been signed. It's just an idea right now. Mm-hmm. The other thing we don't know, and I think this is very important to note, is we don't know what Kuzmenko – could garner on the trade market. I know. Like, I've heard people saying, in theory, Kuzmenko should be worth more than Bo Horvat at the trade deadline because <laughs> Bo Horvat's got not a massive cap hit, but a significant cap hit that is going to be tough to fit in on some teams, whereas Kuzmenko is making, like, basically league minimum, so mm-hmm. any team could fit him in. Yes. Right? So, but I, I still have trouble believing that. I still have trouble believing that NHL GMs, knowing NHL GMs, are going to give up more for Kuzmenko than they would for Horvat, just because Horvat's a more proven entity in the NHL. He also plays center. He's played in the playoffs before. Not much, but he's played in the playoffs before. I think he, he, I think he, the, I think the point of that exercise is just to say like Kuzmenko has not just good value going into this deadline, great value. Like, it might not be the booty of, like, the war chest of returns that Horvat's going to get you, Mm -hmm. but he can't. Because when you talk about now, well, what happens if they move Horvat, Kuzmenko, and don't forget Luke Shen. Like, it's crazy. With all the bad contracts the Canucks have, they may have two of the best ones currently going in this trademark with Kuzmenko and Shen. So if you're able to move those guys, you really do have to wonder about the possibilities of how thoroughly could you kickstart whatever it is the front office wants to do right i think that's the big thing Mm -hmm. is when jim rutherford says we need major surgery and and we've said i don't know um how long they anticipate this procedure to take like i think i think major surgery coincides with turning things around faster than people expect yeah. So if you emergency major surgery, yeah, does that exist? <laughs> I don't. I'm not a doctor. Has to be done now. Yeah. Does, does trading a guy like Kuzmenko affect getting more players like him down the line, like bringing in UFAs of that fashion? If you're going to move the guy within that first season on the team, like, like would that happen? Are you talking about getting a guy to the Europe? Yeah, just just in general, would moving Kuzmenko damage no, the relationship and getting no, other players? Andy, Andy, I've heard Andy, that narrative do you think, before. Do you think any potential? People are looking at the Kuzmenko situation and going, "Boy, I bet he regrets going to Vancouver." He made the guys. The guy's going to be loaded soon, right? Like they put him in a great position to succeed. They Mm -hmm. put him on the power play. They most importantly put him on Pedersen's line. I think this is a feather in the cap for the Vancouver Canucks in terms of attracting those types of players. It's like uh, 
uh, I would almost like compare it to like college football. It's like, why do people go to Alabama? Mm-hmm. Well, because they end up in the NFL. They're a good springboard to making a, a lot of money in the NFL. Like, right? That's that's a really good point. And I think Chicago, to a certain degree, used to do that with free agents and young guys coming in and then Panarin, right? It's like, well, you know how you want to get real good is play with Patrick Kane for a little bit. and It'll boost your numbers and then maybe you can get paid elsewhere, right? Could you have a trade and sign scenario with Kuzmenko? Like potentially people have been saying with Shen, would that be a thing? No, like coming that, or back, if he, or if he's gone, he's gone, kind of thing. He's gone, he's gone. Yeah, yeah. They'll either try and it's very like black and white in that regard. I think they'll either sign him or mm. try to sign him, and then they'll acknowledge that it probably doesn't work within their price points, price range. Mm. You know, cap and then they'll. Move I think on, they're going right? to keep him. By the way, I think they're. they're I think they're going to keep him. Patrick Alvin has been watching this guy for a long time. He brought Kuzmenko. I'm not. This is not an endorsement. I know. As usual. I was just going to say. Not, I, th- I, th- I, think I think you're. I think you're right. I think right. they're going to keep him. I think, I think you're right. Yeah. I also think it's. I don't. Th- it narrow, depends on the contract. I, it, it, yeah, I don't even think that it does. I think that if you just look at this team, mm-hmm. what even if it's. I guess if it's a bargain, bargain. But if it's going right, you just have to say like, okay, that's not where we need to spend money. It's just not. Well, they're right? going to need wingers though. Be, yes, they do. But you know, in, Mike, in like grand, everyone's like, oh, they already got wingers. Well, they're going to try and trade Besser. They're going to try and trade Garland. Like those guys probably won't be back. And I know you're yelling right now, like it shouldn't matter about next season, but it it does. It does. Like oh, we're yeah. trying to predict what's going to happen. And sure, there's an element of what should happen, mm-hmm. but what's going to happen is they're going to try and remain as competitive as they can. Yeah. Jim yeah. Rutherford himself said we want to turn this team around in a year or two. They didn't hire Rick Tockett to like hang out for a bit. They, they they hired him to try and teach this team to defend, so that next season they can be a better team and make a push for the playoffs. Um, now people will be like, "I'm in Groundhog Day." Like, yeah, you are right, but eventually, you know what? Bill Murray found a way out of that. Uh, you mentioned Besser and Garland. We can address this before we go to break because this stat was making the rounds yesterday. I think this was our very own Satyar Shah that threw this out on Twitter uh, after last night's game. Sheldon Drees and Dakota Joshua have now combined for 13 goals this year. Brock Besser and Connor Garland have combined for 17. Like, that is a jarring number. Mm-hmm. That those two guys have four more collective goals than Drees, which, who shouldn't even really be on the team. He just kind of Are we four- doing Drees or Drees? Drees, sorry. I don't know. Anyway, and Joshua, who... Has gone long stretches this season without scoring. I think he's been a consistent fourth line contributor. Like it is, it is damning to their overall value. Yeah, in a market where money is tight, mm-hmm. to try and suggest that they'll just be traded away, because I don't think it's going to be that easy. I don't know where their value is, Neither but I'll I. tell you this: with every game, it feels like it's getting lower and lower. Uh, the ice not- time, the ice time was interesting last night. Um. Only one guy played very little minutes, and that was William Lockwood, who skated for just six minutes and 14 seconds. Uh, Everyone else was at least into the double digits. Uh, The next guy was Curtis Lazar, 11.45. Bo Horvat played almost 24 minutes, which I thought was interesting because Rick Tockett seemed to suggest that he didn't want, especially his forwards, to be playing all that much. JT Miller was below 20 minutes, 19 minutes and 16 seconds for JT Miller. Um, the top defenseman was actually OEL, who played quite well. 
uh, 23 minutes and 27 seconds. Um, the It was funny. <laughs> I was kind of looking forward to watching them kill penalties because I wanted to see who would come out on the ice. And the first two forward pairs were Horvat and Petey. Yeah. And I wonder if, like, I know Tockett wants to uh, have different penalty killers, but I wonder if he kind of, like, looked at the lineup after he said that and was like, Oh wait a minute! I don't know who's going to do that. I thought it was because right? he, I thought it was because on the list of things he needed to fix, he couldn't get all the way down to the penalty kill in time for Tuesday's game. He's like, we had all these meetings, we couldn't get to the PK one. So I do wonder if he's like, uh, just do what you did last game. We'll figure it out next game. What's I, funny is there were only three Canucks, only three that didn't see any PK time. Now, granted, like Dries saw nine seconds out there on the PK and Lockwood thirty-eight seconds, but. There were a lot of penalty killers out there. The three guys who did not kill penalties were Andre Kuzmenko, Connor Garland, and Brock Besser. Uh, so there's your Canucks talk for now. We'll get back to it later on. We've got an open segment at 7 o'clock where we'll get back into more of last night. We can also look ahead to tonight's game because no rest for the weary. The Vancouver Canucks will take on the Seattle Kraken in Seattle tonight. Andy, you wanted me to mention the ticket giveaway? Yes, we're giving away a pair of tickets today for the game against uh, Columbus on Friday. So hashtag WWL, ticket emoji, give us your best what we learned. Okay, so we'll be giving away those later. Coming up next, it is going to be David Amber, Sportsnet, Hockey Night Canada, NHL host, will join us. Some big games last night in the National Hockey League. Some big games tonight as well. We'll whip around the NHL specifically with the Canadian teams and talk to David coming up next on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. No, we need to talk about, God, deal with Dealey and talk about talk it. We need better names on this team. This is the best of Halford and Bruff. Download the full show through Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the best of the day. I say you, you the best. And rough. Now for my favorite part of the show. What did I say? Talk to the audience. Oh, God, this is always dead. 8.34 on a Wednesday. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. Hour three of the program. It's the final hour. We're halfway through it. I know it's such such sorrow to part, but we'll be back tomorrow. Uh, hour three of the program is brought to you by Campbell & Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell & Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. Have we decided to collectively punt on our what we learned? Bruff has decided, yes. Bruff has made the call? Mm-hmm. Okay. So no Halbro what we learned today, but that's fine. We got a lot of user submissions. Not surprisingly, we have a lot of user submissions on a day where we're giving out Canucks tickets. Canucks, Blue Jackets, 7 o'clock, Rogers Arena, Friday. If you want tickets to Friday's game, hashtag them WWL. Text to the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650. And uh, it's your chance to be on the radio and win tickets. Go ahead, Jason. Cam, formerly in Langley, what we learned, I learned that the guy in the turtleneck standing next to Kuzmenko during his post-game availability was, in fact, not his Russian translator. That was Faber. Does Faber have a gold chain that he could bring into the mix? Yeah, I have a, I have a history to that. He told me off the air. He purchased one 
with diamond encrusted ones from a knockoff website. Nice, and, and just to just to fit the look. Right. And, uh, We've talked about this. It looks. Before. It works. In our slow descension into like caring less and less about. We look, we're like, we should become tracksuit guys. Yeah. Well, now, become, you're, you're there, buddy. The iconic look is the gold chain outside of mm-hmm. the tracksuit, or as I do the audio. Right. Didn't work. Okay. Didn't zip as well as I thought. You have the zipper down on your tracksuit. Right. I feel it's like close. you could pull off the clock. I w- yeah. The big clock. The run the DMC. Yeah, 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 yeah. Run DMC. You need some unlaced Adidas. Yeah. Too. I'm, I'm going to get there. But I think I'm going to become, I'm either going to become a, a jewelry guy around the neck so like drip or mm. a pinky ring guy i've ordered a large gold chain where the words frosted flakes it's gonna be a big cereal advertisement <laughs> and people will be like is that like is that is, does that mean drugs you're like no <laughs> just the cereal yeah. i really <laughs> like frosted flakes yeah. that's a man that likes his cereal uh luke and abbots for what we learned the canucks have at minimum three trades to make to restock their prospect pool and they will probably make one of them this team is consistent at one thing, disappointing their beleaguered fans. And Luke doesn't want the tickets. Well, you're not getting them. <laughs> Problem solved. Can you imagine um, how different we'd feel about the prospect group if the Canucks were to get a first-round draft pick as part of the Bo Horvat uh, trade and a first-round draft pick for, say, Kuzmenko? Yeah, I want to go back on this because I mentioned this earlier in the show. And then we had a couple people pushing back, including Diener. Uh, who I respect as a anti-authoritarian figure, and he gave me a heads up on a good pizza oven to buy. But anyway, um, <laughs> that's important to mention. On I got end. it, and he's right. He was totally right. Anyway, um, this guy knows his pizza. He ovens. knows his pizza oven. He's he right. He was totally right. Um, please stop looking at it as we're trading away all our good players on lottery tickets in the draft. For example. Montreal and Ken Hughes. I admire the job that Montreal did this offseason. Montreal and Ken Hughes traded Alexander Romanoff for the 13th overall pick. Then took that 13th overall pick and turned it into Kirby Doc. These these moves exist. Mm-hmm. Other NHL teams do them. It doesn't, it's not even that complicated. You just have to think a little bit outside the box that <laughs> if you get the pick. It doesn't mean you have to. I don't want make them. To, the pick. I'm laughing because I don't want them to think outside the box. I want them to draft players, and I get that. I want them to draft players in the first round that we can get excited about, so we're not in this position again in five or six years. We go like, why do we have any prospects? Is it because we haven't drafted any of the guys? And I, I kind of look at it and I'm like, well, if you want to make a play for Alexis Lafreniere, maybe that's an option when you have a bunch of draft capital at your disposal. Uh, speaking of first round picks, Mackenzie and Langley, what we learned, Patrick Kane is still worth a first-round pick in his late 30s. He is still fun to watch. Um, Here's a question that I have for you guys and the listeners. Is he the best stick handler ever? Patrick Kane? Yes. I saw him at at the All-Star Game in Columbus. They had the skills competition where they had – Over Datsuk? Datsuk. I mean, they're both amazing. Well, McDavid's an incredible stick handler. I'm saying no to all of that. I'm going with Alex Kovalev. Yeah, yeah Kovalev was incredible, too. Yeah. They had, like, a, lo- a row of, I don't know, 10 pucks on the ice. Mm-hmm. And there was about, I don't know, an inch between each puck. Like, <laughs> yeah. it actually didn't look like a puck could fit between the two pucks. <laughs> and Kane ripped through it so fast. Mm-hmm. And not a single puck 
was jostled out of position. Yeah, you can find YouTube videos of him it's doing crazy. that. It's crazy. I mean, it is really remarkable, but there's a, there's a lot of guys in that conversation. I just My main rem- memory of Datsuk, because I can't remember which All-Star game it was, but one of the players got interviewed in, during the game, and he was like, Datsuk is the only player like in the league, at least at that time, that every other player at the All-Star game would stop what they were doing and right. watch him. Yeah. Like he, would, he was appointment viewing just because he could do things nobody else could do with the puck. The clip yeah. where he like literally murders Logan Couture on the ice. Like, he makes him fall down so badly. You can he didn't see- actually literally murder him. <laughs> he did. No, he did. You could see yeah. Couture's soul Logan leave still his alive body. Well. Yeah. He was just twitching on yeah, the no, ground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He sent him to, like, His another- poor family. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but that's what happens when you go up against Pavel oh, yeah. Datsyuk. He's a silent ridiculous. assassin. And then Kovalev. The uh, Alexei Kovalev and one mixtape that's available where he's just doing a bunch Shooting of- with one hand and ripping it top corner? Yeah, that's that's pretty he good. He was taking... He was doing those one-handed, I think, from almost center ice and lofting it onto the top of the net. It was. It's pretty crazy. Uh, basketball, Phil, what we learned, and believe it or not, it's about basketball. Hey. What we learned, the NBA All-Star Game will now have a live player draft 30 minutes before the game starts. It will be great theater and is a fun idea. It is a fun idea. Yeah, playground They tried style. that in the NHL, and people were like, Phil Kessel's feelings got hurt. But this one is right before. It's playground style. Like yeah. you line up at recess, mm-hmm. you pick your teams, and then you go play, and you go last. Yeah, right. Like I'm Phil Kessel. Andy, do you have any? Because like you, like I'm not picking on you because you've said earlier, like I was not a good athlete. Do you oh, have yeah, any I was... memories of oh. being like the last pick? Well, first of all, I usually didn't partake in those games because <laughs> I knew what was going to happen. You're like, I'll <laughs> go to hacky sack game yeah. over here. Oh, hacky sack is my speed. I could do that. But you right. know, if I was forced into sports other than hockey, hockey I was okay at. But if I was mm-hmm. sp- forced into sports other than hockey, I was like, this is going to end. What do you horribly. think is your? What is your worst sport? baseball? Baseball? Oh, baseball was a comedy of errors. I was bad at every <laughs> aspect of that game. I couldn't nice. do anything. Yet everyone likes to make fun of baseball players and how easy it looks. Like mm. basketball, I was passable. Mm. Mm. Laddie, keep your... I remember your, playing just, rugby being passable mm, at that. Andy. Baseball, the worst. <laughs> just the worst. What sports were you the worst at? All of them. Well, baseball especially. Um... Okay. Laddie always grinds the axe every time like we bring up anything about baseball. I quietly, We get yeah. it. You like baseball. Only because you rip on me every single time I bring up anything baseball related. So it goes yeah. it goes both ways. I, oh, do, I, well, do you want to talk about Scott Rowland going into I the do, baseball actually. Hall of Fame? I know yes. you do. <laughs> yes. In fact, I already regret asking you Blue about Jay's him. Blue Jays legend Scott Rowland. The only guy to make the Hall of Fame this year. Um, I quietly respect uh, Laddie's very subtle airing of the grievances. He just he waits and he waits. And then Bide my time. Uh, uh, what we learned, unsigned text, just the look of Tockett and Foote's mean mugs behind our bench will scare opposing teams. They look like two guys I would not want to mess with, LOL. They should be wearing gold chains behind the bench. That yes. would be awesome. Adam Foote <laughs> Adam Foot looks like he's gone through some stuff. Like, yeah. He, like, I, I don't mean like. He's a tough I just dude, mean physically. Man. Like He looks like he's fought a lot of people. Talking to him. It's funny because I have heard fairly um, useful hockey people, like knowledgeable hockey people, readily admitting that physical stature and presence actually means something. Do you think a play? Do you think a team plays to the um, identity of what how their coach? If their coach is a former player, like I watch Carolina play, and they are so good defensively, like they're so responsible. Well, Rod Brindamore's. Their head coach, and he I, was a Selkie winner. He's one of the best two-way forwards we've ever seen in this game. He still looks jacked. Like Bruce Boudreau, when he was a player, he could score a lot of goals, but the reason he didn't have a lengthy 
NHL career was, you know, defensively wasn't wasn't there. I think there's something to be like said. Sheldon Dries is going out there and fighting in yeah. the first game that Rick talked at. Petey laying open ice hits. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think there's something to be said for adopting the personality of your coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that comes across in the individual relationships that he builds. Is he doesn't offer this sort of ethos or idea to the team, but he speaks to each guy individually. And that probably re- it probably revs him up a little bit. Burroughs bodied a guy in his own end. I'm sure Todd was like, all right, there we go. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that, that we didn't mention. That was a mention, great hit by Burroughs. Yeah, yeah. he flattened yeah. him. One that of the things we didn't hit. mention off the hop was uh, a talk at quote from yesterday was he talked about um, might have been a little bit too much perimeter plays. Like, you know, you try and play like the Russian five and zip it around the outside. Mm-hmm. I want more guys, more net front presence. And then he said, and I got it in the at the, at the end of the game because the Joshua goal and the Dries goal were both kind of jam plays in front of the net. Well, you know, one of the things I really like about Kuzmenko, people will point out his skill and his hands and his and his vision, but like I like the fact that he's he'll go to the net. Like how many goals have just been scored from right there? Mm-hmm. No, a lot of them have been from nice passes on the power play, you know, like the, the very either PD either PD or, or JT Miller uh will give him a nice pass and those aren't necessarily the ones I'm talking about. I'm talking about just going to the net. And realizing, hey, I'm probably going to get cross-checked or something here, but this is where goals are scored, so this is where I'm going to be. Unsigned text, but I applaud it because this is the dad joke of the day. So, Gary, kudos to you. Hashtag WW what we learned. I've learned that the Canucks have consistently been wrong with their handling of roster moves and coaching changes. Okay. But they can make things right by trading Bo to the Seattle Kraken. Right, and I bet right is spelled with a W. Got it. You're dad joke guy now. That's good. Yeah. I, I'll ask you, where, I think I know the answer, but where are you on the possibility? If Shane Wright was to be made available, where are you on that? You know what's funny about it is that I'd be like, here's a red flag. Shane Wright has been made available. Yeah. It's hard not to look at it that way. (laughs) And yet at the same time, I'd be like, yeah, but you're talking about a guy who's still a teenager who was the fourth overall pick in the draft and a lot of people thought was going to go first overall. How could I How could I possibly not want that? How could this possibly go wrong? Laddie, yeah. what do you think? Shane Wright, are you on board or is it a red flag? I think it's like the, the example Jeff Baker gave us in his interview with uh, Barzal. You know, he, yeah. he came up, didn't show very well in his first experience in the NHL. They sent him back to junior it's been done before. I think most people would take Matt Barzell right now on the Canucks. Yeah, but here's the thing. The Islanders didn't trade Barzell. And no. the Kraken haven't traded right. But I'm always just like, I, I'd always be hit, like, for the that very reason. I'd be like, what do they know that we don't know? You'd be relying on your scouts, I think, a heavy fair amount to, to get an idea of what Shane Wright's yeah. all about. Because he was one of those guys in the draft where the scouts didn't have a really good look at him. But... It's it's tough, you know. I I'm always of the side you just stockpile these these types mm-hmm. of players. Like here, here's teams. one. For, Why not for you? Um, Quinton Byfield in L.A. Yeah, another yeah. one. Like it hasn't really worked out great, and L.A. has aspirations now. Right? That I mean, that's that's a team that if they're going to add at the deadline, they're going to add because they want to make a push now because they feel like they're close. And teams understand you need to give up quality to get quality back. It's just how it works. But are you uh, throwing up red flags? At Byfield because he's on a team where you theoretically should be able to produce. Yes, got a lot of talent. So were you impressed with him and the juniors when you watched him play, or did you probably not watched him that 
closely. I, I mean, I, I watched him. I, I kind of went, what, oddly enough, I kind of walked away from it the same way with Shane Wright. I'm like, yeah. I think there's a player there, but it certainly did. And I mean, this year's tournament was always under the shadow of Connor Bedard. Like, yeah. well, that's what a superstar looks like. And granted, I, Halford and I will, like, granted, like, Halford and I admit, like, we're not hardcore prospects guys, so we're just going from, like, a casual fan, but, like, watching the games where we impressed. Like, Shane Wright? Yeah, he scored a nice goal in the gold medal game, but overall, I wasn't, I wasn't like, wow, Shane Wright. There were a bunch of other guys that I, that I was way more impressed with, and some of that had to do with, well, obviously Bedard was one of them, but others, others were like the older guys, like Gunther was nineteen years old, Stankoven was nineteen years old, right? It's the Stankoven, right? Like yeah. I, I liked the games that those guys had. The one that that really confuses me is Lafreniere because I remember watching him in the world juniors and not only was he going to go you know first overall I was like this guy's going this guy's can't miss well, not to about, be generational but he's just going to be a player and for whatever reason hasn't worked for him in New York so about, far what about Capocacco he was the number 2 overall pick in his draft class the yeah. number 3 overall guy was Kirby Doc Chicago made the decision to move on from Doc so it's not like out of the realm of possibility that Kako could be moved elsewhere are we red flagging that cuz the reason I'm asking about all these different guys is because, uh, one, we have seen a tendency in recent years for NHL teams to cut bait with guys earlier and earlier and not give them fourth and fifth and sixth bites at the apple. Mm -hmm. Teams do it. The other thing is Jim Rutherford has kind of identified these types of players as the ones that they're going to be targeting. Guys that have had... I mean, Kirby Doc just played his 200th NHL game last night. Yeah. That was his 200th game. So it's not like he's completely unproven in the league. He's played the equivalent of two and a half seasons. And a team already decided to move on from him. These guys are ready now at 22, 23, 24 for their second opportunity in some cases. But you also got to wonder at 22, 23, 24, is there more upside for you as a player? Are you going to change as a player? Or do we already right. know what you are? That's a really difficult thing to do. And that's what Rutherford and company are trying to do. Adam, the former bath guy, what we learned, I learned that I need the tickets for Friday night so I can take my daughter and embarrass her on the awkward dad dance camera. I didn't even know there was a dad dance camera. There is. I've seen it. I saw it at the last game I went to, uh, the Sharks game on the 27th. There was mm -hmm. a lot of dancing dads. It was around the holidays. Right. A couple of days after Christmas, the libations were flowing. Right. I think there was a couple of dads that cut loose that night. Uh, Cam, formerly in Langley, by the way, he won the tickets. Congratulations, so, Cam. So congratulations to all to also Adam, the former bath guy's daughter, who won't have her dad embarrass her in public. Big winners. On the awkward Everyone, dad dance camera. Everyone's a winner today. That guy's daughter, that all those guys. And uh, Cam, formerly in Langley, his what we learned was I learned that the guy in the turtleneck standing next to Kuzmenko during his post game availability was, in fact, not his Russian translator. Mm. Um, for some reason, this seems appropriate to say that uh, Kuzmenko's agent, Dan Milstein, will be talking with Donnie and Dolly yes. later today. And I'll be curious what he has to say. Like, are they working on a contract right now? That's what we're going to find out today. In the in the piece that I alluded to earlier, uh, Pierre Lebrun at The Athletic, mm -hmm. it was written about a week and a half ago, so it's a little out of date. But he said they hadn't begun contract extension talks yet, but they were planning to in the near future. So maybe that's right now. Maybe that's why Milstein's going on. Donnie and Dolly, after going on Twitter last night, tweeting out bags of money. If they're, if they're set on re-signing Kuzmenko, and I'm not saying they are, but but let's say they are. Okay. And let's say Milstein comes on on today and says, yeah, we're, we've been talking contract. 
do they have an obligation to at least go and check the market for Kuzmenko and be like, how much could we get for this guy? Got to. Do you think they will? Have to. Do you think sometimes teams get so laser focused on like we want to do this? Like we 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 pitched Kuzmenko coming to Vancouver. He's been good. That was a win for our organization. We want to keep him in the organization. I'm not even going to look at what we could get for this guy. Maybe they already have. With the amount right now. With the amount of uh, assistant general managers, I feel like you'd hear more about it. I feel like you'd hear like we hear Horvat's name is out there. Horvat's name is out there. Here are the teams that are interested in. And that's because I'm sure Jim Rutherford and Patrick Alvin have been having these conversations with other teams. Have we heard Kuzmenko's name is out there? I don't think so. They have enough. We've heard they, Luke Shen's name is out there. We have enough assistant general managers on staff here in Vancouver. You think one of them could take, like, you do that part. Mm-hmm. Float it out there. Teams could be also calling. Right? That's always the... They're getting the voicemail? Well, it's the semantics. Believe it or not, Jim yeah. isn't at home. <laughs> Don't you remember... Hey, Mark? you've reached the Vancouver Canucks. We're in a bit of a crisis right now, so if you'll just leave your name and number, we'll get back to you in three or four yeah, days. Press one if you have cap space. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they press two. It's just a dial tone. <laughs> we have no voicemail. Hello? Hello? No, we got nothing. Please read what we learned. I'm I'm crying laughing. Uh, What we learned, did you guys know the St. Louis Blues have the worst save percentage in the entire league? I I remember uh, the other day when Bennington got yanked from yet another game. He's got an 891 this year. And then... Who is it? Oh, Grice is the backup Grice there, right? Grice is the yeah. other goal, yeah. And I remember a couple of the St. Louis Blues Twitter trying to talk itself into Thomas Grice might be the solution. So stop lamenting about Delia and Martin, you guys. It could be a lot worse. What are, the Blues, what are the Blues going to do? Where is Ryan O'Reilly going to end up? Because I feel like that's going to somehow play into the Bo Horvat trade value. And Why I, are they always I don't, being compared? I don't. Well, it's poor just Bo. It's just because they're going to be available at the same time. I know. I don't like putting him in the same conversation. Like O'Reilly's accomplished a lot. But... It, for the purposes of this exercise, free agents pending, going into the trade deadline with not a lot of other high-impact centers available, they're going to be the bells of the what's, ball. What's right? going on with O'Reilly? Like, ten, ten goals in 37 games? Year. What, what is happening? Uh, I think it's been really discombobulated in St. Louis all year. Yeah, Remember, they got off to that horrific start, and then they kind of bounced back, but it only really got them to 500. You know, t- you, you, know, you know who didn't look all that impressive last night and I didn't really notice? Jonathan Taves. Yeah, I yeah, I don't know what Taves is going to fetch somebody or what Taves is going to cost somebody at the he deadline. Gassed, actually. Are they going to have to just, um, lo- if anyone wants him, like it's hard to see, even if the Blackhawks were to retain half his cap hit, that's still a $5 million cap hit. For a third line center. At this point, I would say. So would you have to launder it through Anaheim or Arizona Probably. or the Cayman Islands or whatever, how they're going to do this? Ah, uh, yes, the Caymans. This is the best of Halford and Bruff. Download the full show through Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.